What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome friends, it's the Movie Boom Podcast. Podcast, enjoy the show. Zachy and Brian are talking about movies. Movie Boom Podcast on the radio. Welcome to Movie Film. This is episode 179, brought to you by Mr. Boy Productions. It's been a bit of a break since I've talked to my best pal, Brian Hall. I know, it has been. I mean, we we sort of had uh, we had a commentary and an episode in one week, and then we just uh, decided to rest on our laurels a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, life uh, life does get in the way, and you've, you've been living life? Yes. Living yes. La Vida Loca? <laughs> yeah, that's what I like to think of it. That's... <laughs> When I heard that song, I was like, yes, someone finally gets it. <laughs> You're like, I feel so seen, Ricky Martin. <laughs> yes. Uh, and um, ironically, now Ricky Martin is not seen. I don't I don't know where he is these days. Yeah, that's true. Well, he was on that Versace show, right? The crime story. Was he? I think so. Oh. I didn't see it, but. Well, okay. Well, he's... I don't know. Why do I know these things? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there was like a minute where everyone was talking about Ricky Martin. 20 oh, yeah. Ago. Oh, that song ago. was. You couldn't escape it. Yeah, and then and then uh, you know it it passed into legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're we're pouring one out for you, Ricky. <laughs> you know, like a minute and a half ago when the show started, I didn't think this is where we would I, begin. Yeah, they, <laughs> we took a turn it. early. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, uh, what have you been up to, Brian? Man, you know, I've been I've been watching all sorts of stuff, and uh, mostly older things i haven't really seen anything new but i did want to i did want to bring a couple of them up the one new thing i did see was a movie called jack of all trades and we started talking about this off mic earlier and i feel like someone recommended this movie to me so i added it to my netflix queue and i cannot remember who it was i thought maybe it was you but anyway it's uh, a documentary on netflix that is about baseball cards so that sounds great, right? I mean, we grew up during the baseball card boom yes. of the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, it was one of these things where you you spend all your money and you buy these packs. And there's usually like three or four cards that you really, really wanted because they're going to be worth a lot of money. And you'd buy this magazine called Beckett. And it came out every month and it <laughs> oh showed God. you what the cards were worth, right? <laughs> and See, um, I, I was not a baseball card person at all. And yet everything you're telling me, I know just from sort of proximity, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was such a thing. And, and so I was really intrigued by the idea of this documentary. And so the way that it starts off is this. This uh, guy, 
He's like 38 years old, so it's like right in our our age thing, went through what we went through. His mom is like, look, you got to clean all these baseball cards out of your closet. And he's like, okay, so this is what the documentary is going to be. I'm going to go through all these cards. I'm going to go to a card show, and I'm going to find out how much money I've made. (laughs) Hmm. And then, you know, shouldn't be much of a surprise. They're worth next to nothing. (laughs) So, so, and it's funny because I think we all had those sort of thoughts, you know, this is, I'm going to put myself through college with these things. (laughs) Right. And uh, then the documentary goes into this guy's dad owned a very famous baseball card shop. And then what it goes into is it, it splits into two different stories. One, the guy wants to figure out why baseball cards aren't worth what we thought they would be, which is very interesting. But then it also diverges into his father, who owned this baseball card shop, up and left his family. Like, wow, gone, without a trace when he was say about like 12 years old and he's never seen him since. So it's, it becomes this really weird thing where you're like, well, I kind of came here for the baseball cards. <laughs> you know, like I kind of, I kind of wanted to learn about, you know, they, they just to tease a little bit. And I think for anyone who's interested in this, this is going to sound kind of fascinating. It, it mostly centers around the Ken Griffey rookie Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card from 1989 Upper Deck, which is one of the sort of uh, mythical cards, along with like a Mickey Mantle, blah, 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 worth a ton of money. Everybody tried to find it. But then they get into the fact that there's a lot of integrity required in making baseball cards, because if you overproduce, then what are they really worth? So if something's worth something, you keep making more of it, you're, you're futzing with anything's value. Right. And they try to interview you're, people. You're tampering with forces you don't understand. Yes, exactly. And I was kind of curious about this. and uh, But then the guy who's directing the movie, in this trend I'm noticing in a lot of documentaries lately, the filmmakers are forcing their way into the narrative. Have you noticed this? Yes. Where they're like, they start making it about themselves. Well, it's kind, of, the it's kind of the Morgan Spurlock, Michael Moore approach, right? Yeah, who and I think he is a charismatic guy, Spurlock. Like he's an interesting host or sure. a person to follow. Sure. Uh, the director of this movie just kind of is like, not. <laughs> whatever, and, and it's not the subject. I, I kind of like the subject actually, and I felt a little bad for him because he was on quite the rocky journey. But um, then it's like the director is like hell bent on finding this guy's dad so they can reunite. And it just becomes this murky sort of like, what what is this documentary about? And I I wanted to care a little bit more about the family stuff, and I did at times, but I also found myself like continuing to look over my shoulder at the baseball card information. <laughs> so hmm. it's a little, you know, I, I wish I could recommend it. I would say it, for 90 minutes, let's say it is, you probably get about 45 minutes of what you showed up for. So that's you know. I, I got to admit, I, I was not expecting this uh, to go in that direction. I thought you were going to be, uh, you know, quite the uh, quite the uh, uh, effervescent about it. Yeah, I was a little bummed. I was huh. a little bummed. And I I, I, uh, I wish this was the definitive documentary on that era, because like I say, I mean, that was such a big thing. And uh, like what happened? Like, why did these things not get worth any money who are these card companies was yeah, shady I, practice going on did you know tops is the only one that's still around by the way i, I did know that actually out of all of those yeah 
Yeah. So it's, see, it it my the way I can correlate to this stuff. I was not a sports card person. I was obviously I was a huge comic book person, right? And so right, right. there was a lot of overlap because most baseball card shops were also comic book shops, right? Yep. And you saw some of the bad practices of baseball cards transfer over to comic books where you had overproduction and the speculator boom in the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the early part of the 90s. And it's very specific to that era. And, and you know, it, it's it, – to, to me, I think what the, the internet age has made convenience – so convenient. Thank you. That was a great sentence I just said. Uh, <laughs> but it's 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 robbed us of the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that uh, the other day. You know, I mean, when I was younger and I was, like, trying to complete a run of comic books, I would go on a quest. I'd go from one shop to the other, going through their back issues, going through their quarter bins, just trying to find that one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, hey, I want to get this. Let me go to Amazon. <laughs> Three so days true. later, <laughs> you know. It's so true. It's so true. You know, I, I mean, similar to me currently, like I've I kind of got into like records in the past couple of years. And every now and then there'll be a record I want to find. And it is, like you say, the thrill of the hunt. And I was in Thousand Oaks, which I'm normally not in this city. So I was like, I'll go check out their record store. And and you're like looking for the record you want to find. And then there is party that's like, just go on Amazon and buy it. Right. But you're like, no, no, no. Like, I want to flip through this and find it. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll be even like a dollar cheaper. You know, like there. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's something to the, the thrill of the hunt. But it, we can also easily bail on that if we want to and have the easy answer. See, the thrill of the hunt for me now is being able to have the package arrive at my door and me being able to open it before my kids do. <laughs> that's it so getting getting it up the stairs into my room before my kids that's the thrill of the hunt for me now that, <laughs> you know what though there is something really fun about a package appearing in front of your door i that's mean there true. is a whole different sort of uh, you know it, satisfaction yeah I, I i mean you know we we take our joy where we can <laughs> <laughs> in 2019 that's our joy hey the thing i ordered for myself arrived yeah exactly when it said it would no surprises <laughs> and i tracked it every step of the way i'm like there's no surprise at all like it's just <laughs> yeah that's true because if if it shows up a day late i can just look and be like oh it got held up in kansas you yeah, know exactly. it's like it's no mystery where it is <laughs> i mean i i remember it, oh my god this is like we're <laughs> back in my day we had snail mail and we liked it because we didn't know any better. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, oh, you know. I remember this. Do you remember pep ups? Pep ups? No. This is like in, at school. Like if you, like it was like a progress report, right? But you don't want to say progress report because that's very like ominous. So you just send a pep up. No, and, I don't remember that. So, so certainly this was me, like in junior high, high school. If if I was doing badly in a class, they would mail out a pep up, and they'd let you know, hey, we sent a pep up to your parents. But they, you know, now you would email that shit, right? But back in the yeah. day, they're like, we're sending a pep up. So you're like, I got three days where I got to make sure I get the mail before my yes, parents. <laughs> yes, you could intercept it. Yeah, <laughs> you could intercept it. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> So that would wow, be my the school quest. didn't do me the courtesy of renaming it Pep Ups. I remember progress reports. Yeah, yeah. Hey, go on Pep Ups. You know. mm. It's a Pep Up. <laughs> anyway, well, hey, hey, Brian, I, I saw a movie. But, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, collectors and sort of the mentality surrounding that. Well, this is a film called The Fanatic. 
Uh, yes, I've just been seeing stuff about this recently. So this stars uh, John Travolta. Yes. Uh, he of Gotti fame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's directed by Fred Durst. I had, I had, sorry, I had liquid in my mouth. Otherwise, I, I would have laughed. I was trying to spit it out. He said, "He of, <laughs> he of Gotti fame." <laughs> I, I had to make sure you knew that that joke was appreciated. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, and it's directed by Fred Durst. He of he of our collective nightmares in the late '90s when we turned on the radio and quickly turned it off. Fame. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I was trying to formulate some sort of reaction to that. And I are, are, you, are you a limp? Are you, do you limp to the biscuit? No, and uh, no, no offense to anyone who is a limp biscuit fan, but I, they were never my flavor. Yeah, it, right. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, he 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 wrote and directed this movie that's inspired by an experience he had in his life with an overzealous fan who had boundary issues. Interesting. Now, okay. just to be clear, I don't think basically ninety-five percent of what happens in the movie is entirely made up, unless, uh, sure, you know, he ended up tied up on a bed with like a <laughs> rag stuck in his mouth. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. Which, which, if he did, hey, I don't judge. But my point is, uh, it it's a it's an old story. I mean, we've seen you know overzealous fan movies before. Yeah. Misery and King Comedy, etc. Uh, yep. Now, this movie is just getting shit on left, right, and center on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, now, I've seen that. I've yes. seen that. And okay. <laughs> so, so now my policy is I don't look at Rotten Tomatoes. I don't do anything until after I write my review because I don't want it to be any in any way, you know, uh, inadvertently influenced and so i watched the movie and i was like oh okay that was good you know and and that's my reaction eh, that was good mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. Have to, you have to pitch your voice up a little bit because it was good <laughs> the way pitch like yeah it, it was good like like a lifetime movie is good yeah no i i i think i know what you're saying like you know what you're in for yes you know what you've showed up to and you're that, watching something pulpy and you know it's going to be kind of... Yeah, yeah, it's predictable, but you're engaged, and you're kind of guessing, and yeah, it ends, and you're like, oh, okay, and then you get on with your life. That was me and The Fanatic. I think this may actually be the widest disconnect that I've ever had with Rotten Tomatoes, because this is sitting at like 20% or lower on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Wow. So so, so I, I do feel like people are lining up to sort of take a mallet to John Travolta, because that's... And, and John Travolta plus Fred Durst. Yeah, that's, yeah like, that's what I was going to say. That's Do you like, think hey, it's more let's an opportunity? Our, let's have our five-minute hate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know why you want to hate me. Yeah. Because all the world has even seen lately. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, so so I, I'm not, it's not, uh, you know, the Magnificent Ambersons, obviously. <laughs> well, what is, though? <laughs> what is? Oh, I, 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 uh, I was looking up the word magnificent the other day. I don't know why. I think I wanted to find like a... I don't know. There was a reason. Like a synonym for it or something? Either way. I, yeah. And I, I put in Magnificent and Ambersons was the second thing in my Google search. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Google be watching. Yeah. Uh, so so it, I'm not going to say it's good, like, like, like good, good, but I think it's, it's, it's good trash. Yeah. And it feels like there was okay. a lot more of those in the 90s, right? Yes. Like there was sort of the, like, like the crush. 
Yes. And, and so, like, the movies that we watched and kind of enjoyed, but we knew they were garbage. Fear. Remember Fear with Mark Fear. Wahlberg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of in that vein. And actually, really, I did like uh, Travolta's performance in this, partially because it's just, it's Travolta just, like, doing the character actor thing, you know? Sure, sure, it, sure. And I, I feel like, I mean, it does feel like people are being cruel to Travolta lately. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder why. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I you don't know, it seems like, it seems, uh, I see him on Instagram every now and then. And uh, people used to give him a hard time for wearing like a hairpiece. Yeah. Right? And he's kind of embraced it now and just shaves his head. And I, he looks good. He looks, he looks happy. Exactly. I actually thought like, wow, I'm really happy for this guy. <laughs> you know, he just seems to be living his truth and... It's that's too bad that people are for some reason picking on him right now. The the thing I have heard from multiple people about John Travolta is he is just a very 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 nice guy, hmm. and and he's whenever somebody goes up to talk to him, a fan or anything like that, he's just very gregarious and and just a genuinely nice guy. And I'm like, well, like don't shit on him. I mean, you know, it's just if somebody is being nice, you know, like I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. It, I mean, I mean, we there are plenty of celebrities, and you can vouch for this. Were you know not necessarily the most pleasant. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying shit on them either. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but given the choice about where to aim your poop, right? You know, <laughs> avoid Travolta's bald head, and you know, aim, aim somewhere else. <laughs> um. Anyway, what was I saying? So I, I liked the movie. That's my point. All right, all uh, right, cool. Well, hey, that's that's uh, that sounds like uh, possible cable fare. Soon. It is, it is absolutely that. I th- I think, and it, it it is eighty eight minutes long, which is like the perfect length for a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Because because you know it's it's sticks around just long enough to say whatever. And and actually, I mentioned Travolta. Devin Sawa is in this. Devin Sawa is like the actor who Travolta's character is like obsessed with, and okay. and. I'm, I'm like, where has Devin Sawa been? You know, like I think of him as a Final Destination guy. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I, I was about to ask you because I don't remember who he is. He's the guy in the first Final Destination movie. The lead? He was the main guy. Oh, wow. Okay. He's also, have you seen the movie Idle Hands? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. So he had that run where he was like teen horror guy in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh. And then, and now he, he he's kind of like Anthony Michael Hall, like 20 years later, you know? Okay, okay, okay. He even, he even looks like him, you know? So I'm like, hey, this guy, he's pretty good in this, you know? Yeah. He's kind of, it's like he's in on the joke. He gets it. He gets what the movie is. Hmm. So, okay. Uh, uh, har- harmless fun is what what I would say about The Fanatic. I it, I haven't read the reviews, but it, it my sense is people are probably being a little too cruel to it, to what it is. It's, such, it's like low risk, low reward kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of low risk, low reward, another movie coming out uh, this week, basically as we're recording this, is Don't Let Go. So this is this is the new Blumhouse picture. Yes. Yeah. It's it's uh it's so it stars David Oyelowo of uh, uh you know he played Dr. Martin Luther King and Selma. He's also the bad guy in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay. He's like evil corporate guy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so so definitely one of those guys. Uh, people people know him. And uh, this is this is another one, you know. It's 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 not uh, uh, an instant classic, but it's it, I think it's a good. It's like a solid thriller of the kind that we don't really see anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the premise is that you you have a, a police detective who receives a phone call from his niece who died three days earlier. Oh, 
So it's I kind like of, that. That's a good log line. It, it's great, right? And it's kind of a frequency-ish thing where he has an opportunity now to 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 maybe prevent something that that already happened. Oh man, I love this. This sounds yeah. like something I would really enjoy. Well, as it happens, that is the thing that what I just said to you, that's the premise that got both Jason Blum and David Oyelowo to sign on. David Oyelowo stars in it. He also produced the film. And I had a chance to talk to both of them about Don't Let Go. So um, uh, if you don't mind, Brian, I figure let's uh, play some of my audio from that. Yeah, let's do it. Well, ju- just to get things started, and I guess I'll, I'll let uh, you guys tackle this in, in whichever order you like. Uh, what was it about this story that made you want to put your name on it as a producer? Uh, Jason, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, so we, we, you know, this was unusual for us because normally um, we develop with a director, hmm. but every so often we have a script and then work on the script and then, and then, and then, uh, and then attach a director at, l- later. And, um, and what, what, one scene struck me about the movie that often happens is, is when, when the scene imagining getting a phone call from someone who, who died three days ago, right. Uh, you know, I never seen that before. And that just, it just struck me. And I was like, that, that's what, that, that's the scene in the script that made me want to make the movie. Huh. And it's funny because, because for me, it, it was, it was in, in a sense, the, the same the same moment, but how that moment impacts the character of Jack, Jack Radcliffe, who I play, and therefore how it impacted me as an actor. You know, as a father um, to, to four children myself, uh, I felt a really visceral connection to the idea of what would I do to protect my children? What would I do to protect my, 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 someone I love? And that is very much the case with Jack and me and, and his niece uh, um, Ashley in this is that there is there is a beautiful almost father daughter relationship here, and I just really connected to the idea of if I got that phone call, I too would do anything I could. I wouldn't care huh. whether I had to sort of reach through uh, time to try and save them. In fact. You know, anyone who's lost anyone will know that one of the things you go, one of the places you go to in your head is, what would I have done differently? Could I have done anything to save them? You know, if indeed those are the kinds of circumstances under which they they passed away. So as much as I loved all of the genre elements, it was that central question that really grabbed me. Getting that phone call, what would you be prepared to do? Well, and and with that, just picking up on what you just said ab- about the genre aspect of it. I mean, I think what what really struck me watching the film is that uh, this is the kind of story that it feels like uh, there 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 isn't a lot of room for in Hollywood anymore. You know, I mean, it seems like the industry has moved so heavily in the direction of blockbusters that th- this is the type of film that I feel like would have been very common in the '90s. You know, when I was growing up and watching films and it it it's gotten squeezed along the edges so uh i i love that a movie like this exists today yeah i think i think that's very true i think thrill of this this kind of genre has largely migrated to streaming yes and i think you know one of the one of the one of the many benefits you know i'm always 
talking about how much I lo- love low budget movies, which I do because you can you can you can kind of try new things, and and although like you say that this there's nothing new about this genre theatrically except today there is because people don't <laughs> see a lot of it. Yeah, and that was one of the things that was one of the things that 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 was compelling to me is like let's let's try and make 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 this kind of this this kind of content work theatrically, which I think we'll be able to do. Um, and if you don't spend a lot of money, you can really you can really try that, you know. Yeah, and to and to speak to what what Jason just said, you know, that's been the thing I have loved so much about being part of this film is not only were we, you know, myself, Jacob, the other actors, afforded the opportunity to do something the likes of which is very rare theatrically, but we were also allowed to be really integral in the development of hmm. the of the story and and shaping that story because you know Blumhouse generally speaking are in, incredibly embracing of that but because you don't have a, a big old studio who are very fear-based breathing down your neck we could hmm. really take some some big swings creatively which was the thing that I just you know just also loved about, about making this film. And uh, you know, one thing I really wanted to zero in on is the 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 fact that this is a story uh, primarily featuring a cast of of uh, actors of color, and yet you know it's not a quote unquote black story, and you know I I think that itself to me as as a person of color that's something that I really appreciate is that the types of stories. Uh, that people of color are allowed to populate is growing. And, and honestly, I feel like Blumhouse has been a pretty big part of that uh, over the course of the last several years. It's funny. I was asked, I was asked this question on an earlier interview and, um, you know, clearly one of the things that's, that's top of my mind and, and, and troubling to me is the fact that, racism in the country is getting getting worse not not better and hmm. we've done a lot of films about race get out black Klansmen. but some the interviewer mentioned that point and you know i'm not black so i don't know how it would feel but but i but i think it's super i'm not going to go so far as to say insulting but hmm. really limiting and and a really really uh it irks me that that you think if you have if you have African American people in a movie it has to be about race right you know I think mm. that's I think that's outrageous you know Ma is not about race huh. don't this movie is not about race but that doesn't mean that 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 there can't be African American actors in the movie and, and I was on this interview earlier and and the the, the 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 person asking the question was kind of implying that that was not a good thing, and I, I just fundamentally disagree with that. To your point, and actions speak louder than words. We've made a lot of movies with African American actors that are not about race. I think sure. I think that's you know I think that that it was it was annoying. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, I I have to say I really love to make the point that it's been a craving of mine for my entire career to be afforded the opportunity, opportunities the likes of this. I have hmm. sought them out, uh, and, and at times they haven't been afforded. At times there has just been an abject lack of receptivity to it. But the reason I gravitate towards it is because I, the films I love 
are not necessarily films that were that that their primary theme was was racial. You know, right. there will be blood has nothing to do with the ethnicity of Daniel Day Lewis's character in that film, as is the case in in Raging Bull or you know any any of the great Lawrence of Arabia. You know, there there are just performances that white actors and and films that white directors and and artisans have been afforded for so long that a person of color sort of feels on the periphery or, you know, blatantly on the outside of. And um, you, you don't have that burden of race on it. Now, I've, I've made films about race and I've loved them. And that's a theme that should be consistently looked at. But as a person who just happens to be black, that is not the entirety of who and what I am and certainly not who and what I want to say as an artist. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, just just to piggyback off of what you're saying, I mean, I think you've illustrated something so interesting about this conversation, which is that just just existing is viewed as an affront. It be it's oh, you're forcing diversity in my face, and it's like no, I'm just I am who I am. I can't change that. If you've got a problem, that's on you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, I mean, not to get too, uh, you know, I probably we shouldn't even be talking about this, but not to get too uh, philosophical about it. But, but I think one of the issues that one of the reasons this doesn't happen more often is like Hollywood, you know, it's when like liberal thinking, it's like hmm. everyone's heart is in the right place, but, but the actions are wrong. Like somehow it's going to be offensive to a, to a black actor, if you give him a script, that's not about race. You know, hmm. That's thinking mm -hmm. backwards. But I bet you that's one of the reasons that it hasn't happened more often. I, wow. I'm, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're right about that. You know, uh, all, all, all I want is complex characters with great people um, and, you know, the opportunity to speak to an audience. That, at the end of the day, I think is what any actor is really looking for. Yeah, and any producer is looking for all I want is to t is, is is to tell is to is to make great television shows and movies. You know, I want I want to make I want to make quality things that make people think or entertain people. Or we don't always do it, but we always set out to do it. Right. Well, yeah, you know, I I just want to point out that my, my perspective as an as an instructor, I teach media at uh, San Jose State University. Um, the the fact, uh, Jason, that you've given uh, a lot of new uh, voices the opportunity to get their their work out there to the world in really interesting combinations, it's it's really inspiring a new generation of filmmakers. In what to me it reminds me of you know being in the '90s and the the way Tarantino you know got kids who didn't think they could do it but to get out there you know the you know because because as i said earlier the blockbuster model sort of makes makes a lot of young kids feel like they can't get in yeah well that well i really it's really flattering i really appreciate you saying that thank you and i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad there's opportunity out there for sure so that's good news so one one last thing and i i'm, I'm sure you can't get into this too much but i i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about uh you know the the cancellation of the hunt and, you know, in, in, without getting into that specifically, can you talk in a broader sense about that, the, the nexus of political talk and what it means for the film industry? 
Yeah, for sure. And, 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 and uh, I hope, and uh, certainly I'm going to try and get that movie out there. Not, not, a, not on its date, but, uh, but in the future, I want, I want, I obviously want everybody to see the movie and um, I want everybody to see the movie safely. Hmm. You know, that's my, my primary concern. So I, I think that we all have to be free to tell any story. We live in a, in a country where we're free to tell any story that we want. The, 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 and, and I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, change my decision about making the movie or making other movies that are, that are, that, that incite conversation. Hmm. But, uh, but, uh, but, uh, we are at a charged moment, but that doesn't make me shy away from, you know, we have a, we have a show on TV now called the loudest voice, um, about Roger Ailes. It doesn't make me shy away from controversial topics. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and you know, I think I, I think if I if I was if it, if it made me change the way that we, the way that we choose things, I think that I think if if I start doing that, it's time to start thinking about another job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well uh, one last thing before I go, David, I just wanted to, I, I I'm not going to be watching Don't Let Go with my kids just yet, but not too long ago I right. watched I watched Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Selma not too long after each other, and they could not believe that. Uh, evil Mr. Jacobs and Dr. Martin Luther King were the same guy. So, you 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 made quite an impression on my kids. Uh, well, that 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 means a, a huge amount. That's what I look for. I, I look for any and every opportunity to keep the audience guessing, to challenge myself, and and, and that's what getting to play Jack Radcliffe in this did for me as well. You know, the, the the nature of that character was: can I emotionally put myself through the ringer in a hmm. believable way? Um, you know, with this character, but with action elements and whodunit elements and, uh, you know, psychological thriller elements rooted in, a, in an emotional character, the likes of which, you know, any actor would want to play. So to keep the audience guessing and, and, and ideally as your kids reacted for them to be thinking, well, is that the same actor? That, that's what I live for. So that's a, a lovely thing to hear. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Thank you. Good to hear your voice, David, also. Thank you. You too, Jason. Bye, guys. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. So, uh, hey, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, Why don't we take a little break and we come back and do some listener letters? Sounds good. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back, Brian. We got some. We got some letters here. Figure uh, we can we can cycle through them real quick before we move on. Yeah, I always love this. So this is from Jonas. 
and uh, Jonas uh, sent us a, a letter a few a few months ago asking asking about new commentaries we're going to. He requested, by the way, the Shawshank Redemption. Yes, which <laughs> see, that that's that that's one that I would love to do, but I'm also like that's a that's going to be a commitment. A little daunted, a little <laughs> daunted. I'll admit. You know, it's funny because uh, you mentioned this to me, and and when I say daunted. I love the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Um, I feel, though, sometimes when we do commentaries, Zachy and I will be like, hey, let's do it. Like with Karate Kid, which we loved and had a great time doing. But then we'll be like, what is that, like 90 minutes, 95 <laughs> minutes? And then we look and it's like two hours and 10 minutes. And you're like, oh. <laughs> and it's just, it's funny because I don't know if we've done one that long. But it's funny that you actually say this because then after you mentioned Shawshank, and I actually was leaning toward, I don't know, man. My girlfriend and I were walking down a sidewalk, and there was a chair that was being thrown out that had a box full of VHS tapes in uh-huh. it. And out of sheer curiosity, I looked in the box, and on the top was the Shawshank Redemption <laughs> right after you and I had, had that conversation. So I, I, I took a picture and sent it to you, and I was like, well, <laughs> if get, there's ever a Get sign. busy recording or get busy dying. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's the <laughs> the heavens we're speaking to. So yeah. so that that I I would say that is a likely podcast that is coming. I'm gonna hedge a little bit. Um, but I think I think I think it's doable. I yeah I'd be into it. I mean it yeah I I would like to learn about it. I mean the the fun thing about doing those commentaries is as much as I love movies, I love the making of movies and I love reading about their you know. The yes. process that went into them and the incarnations and the things that never were. So that would be a fun one to learn more about. I, I, I agree. So uh, Jonas uh, asks, he says, I guess at least one of you have been to a film festival. Uh, why not do a talk about it on the podcast? Like the mood, the people, the new films, many with a world premiere and all that. Toronto TIFF is coming up in September. Have you ever been there? On their uh, website, the ticket prices are a bit high compared to regular tickets in your local movie house. Uh, thanks for a great podcast. So my question to you, Brian, is have you ever been to a film festival? You know what? I haven't. Neither have I. Yeah. I had to think about that. And I was like, I don't think I have. I? No, I don't think yeah. I have. You know, we said world premiere. I have been to a few premieres. Yes. And those were really exciting. You know, and, uh, like the Chinese theater and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the one, uh, I forget what it's called, Brentwood. That's the one where we saw Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That was exciting because that was like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And, and then a couple days after that, I saw on eBay, someone had a jar that said it was a jar of air from the premiere of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of exciting. And then you look around and you recognize all these celebrities. And But yeah, I've never been to a, a film festival. I've You know, to me, it's because it's, I, I have a friend who goes to Sundance like every year. And and he's like, oh, you should come. Like he he rents like a like a villa or whatever, and you know, like a whole thing. And I'm like, I there's no way I can justify telling my wife like, hey, peace out. I'll see you in a week. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna go watch movies for five days. Yeah, you know, I, there's just no way. I thought I would I would love to do that. My friend, a different friend, uh, went and and a couple of years ago and had like a very brief encounter with Robert Redford. Wow. And and I was like, I would give you every dollar in my savings account if you were like Hail Hydra in his ear and just <laughs> kept and just kept walking. That'd be amazing. <laughs> well, you know what though, Zachy? I mean, if it was some assignment that you had, 
Yeah, that's true. Work. Uh, the 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 there are always possibilities. Yeah. So we we can see about that. Uh, here's another note I got from Mike Snyder, who was nice enough to write a review for us on iTunes, and he says, "Listen to your show on the way to work today. Heard my name." <laughs> uh, we're, 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 we're glad to thank thank you for writing the review that necessitated reading your name. Very much. Uh, yes, thank you. He he also says, and and Mike, by by way of uh, uh, ex- exposition here, is a huge RoboCop fan. Mm. So and, and as am I. Yep. This is this is what what draws us together, me and Mike. His the picture on his Twitter thing is like RoboCop, uh, and he says, "I also really hope you guys do the RoboCop two commentary." And so this is just me kind of nudging Brian a little bit. <laughs> I have actually never seen RoboCop two. I know you so, started it briefly. Yes, I did, and and that um, got interrupted. Do we do we get into that story? Do we explain that story, or is that something we keep between us? Uh, you can you can tell the story. Okay, I just looked up RoboCop two by the way on IMDb. It's an hour fifty seven. It's a little <laughs> touchy, Matt, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. So. You know, all right, so let's let's share this with the world. Zachy is kind enough to share his Voodoo account with me. And it is volume, voluminous. I don't know. It's a word I read and never say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so one night I, I was like, I didn't know what to watch. And I thought, oh, I'll watch RoboCop 2. So I pulled it up on uh, Zachy's Voodoo. And the thing about sharing a Voodoo is the person or persons on the other end can start the same movie and end what you're doing. So I started it, and I was about two minutes in or three minutes in, and it just stopped. And it said, someone else has started this. And I was like, uh, hmm. <laughs> so I restarted it, and it stopped again. And I was like, well, someone clearly wants to watch this more than I do right now. So <laughs> and I've never I've never been back. So I, I will go back for this, for sure. I, I think RoboCop 2 is, first of all, it's not good like the first Sure, one sure. Uh, Compared but I, to the first. I, I think I think fascinating uh, messes can be just as uh, you know uh, worthy of conversation, and I think uh, you know the, the fact that this is directed by Irvin Kershner means mm. you don't just ignore it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, even for the ways it didn't succeed, I think it's worthy of a conversation. And and you coming in completely cold, I think you would offer uh, something interesting. And there's something cool about the fact that good or not. I like RoboCop and that there's a whole adventure with Peter Weller as RoboCop that I've never seen. That's like, oh, wow, that's kind of a cool little treat. Yeah. So so next year is the 30th anniversary of RoboCop 2. So I would fully expect us to, to talk through that. Sounds good to me. We got like a bunch of anniversaries coming up next year, actually. The, 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 the zero years are good for that. Hmm. Yeah. 80, 90. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Dances with Wolves. Didn't we talk? We joke about that. Dances with Wolves are like an epic miniseries commentary. Yeah. But like, I mean, we got, we got two Back to the Futures we can do. Oh yeah. Um, I think Die Hard 2 was 90, right? Wait, no, actually Back to the Future 2 was 89. Back to the Future 2. Oh, you're right. Back to, was it 80? It was fall of 89. Mm hmm. Was it fall of 89? Oh, it was. Well, either way. We should we should still do it next year. We should, yeah. You know? You're right. Uh, part three was ninety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, wait, hold on a second. We we did Back to the Future two already. Yes, that because remember because I had forgotten. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> part one, Back to the Future Part one has an anniversary next year. Wait, we haven't done one. No. 
I, Brian, we are in a time warp because I know. I realize. I realize we've had this exact conversation. Yeah. It's coming back to me. Hey, now. folks, how you doing? This is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it blows my mind. We haven't done a commentary for Back to the Future we, one. We, yeah, we did. We did part two because of the the 2015 date. Okay, man. If you want to hear Brian get hyper, <laughs> tune in for Back to the Future <laughs> no, one. That, we should, we we got to do part one and part three next year, and we knock that one out. All right, that sounds good to me. And then, and then coming up, Batman Forever. Oh wow. You know what? I I don't know that's something I knew I even wanted, but I do. <laughs> oh, abs- did, did you see this by the way? Joel Schumacher gave an interview. To, I think it was to Vulture or something like. Did you see this? It's like a I did. Yeah. Did you read it? Uh, I read a good portion of it. You see the Kinda stuff he says it, but... about about Batman Forever? Uh oh about Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, which is like an old I mean we we know that that Tommy Lee Jones is just terrible to Jim Carrey, but I I what he says uh, this is you know Joel Schumacher is like 80, he has no Fs left to give, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like Tommy Lee Jones is like the elder statesman uh on the set. He'd won an Oscar and he's like uh, he's like you expect somebody uh with his experience and his you know to just to act better. Right. But he's like the difference was that uh, he, like, because he was talking about he was talking about working with Tommy Lee Jones versus working with Val Kilmer because he had a not good experience with both of them, mm-hmm. and he's like Tommy Lee Jones would at least give you a good performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like Val Kilmer is just an asshole. Well, and as that that quote that I think we've mentioned before, where Jim Carrey ran into Tommy Lee Jones at a restaurant and he approached him. Yes, and what did Tommy Lee Jones say? Like, I just can't sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> Which, that's like, amazing. That's it's such a it's such a perfectly it's such a perfectly Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> quote, right? Like, yeah, what? to Jim Carrey of all, you know, to like your buffoonery. I cannot sanction <laughs> your buffoonery. I want to find. I want to find the exact quote. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine that being Jim Carrey? Because in that movie, he's supposed to be nothing but, you know peak 90s crazy jim carrey and then knowing that tommy lee jones is just side-eyeing you the whole time i mean you know it takes a professional there. well i i love how jim carrey describes it right he says <laughs> uh, he's so so jim carrey goes to this restaurant and and tommy lee jones is there and and tommy lee jones is over in the corner i went over i jim carrey and i said hey tommy how are you doing and the blood just drained from his face and he got up <laughs> shaking he must have been in mid-kill-me fantasy or something like that. <laughs> and he went to hug me, and he said, I hate you. I really don't like you. And I said, what's the problem? And pulled up a chair, which probably wasn't smart. And he said, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So so there's oh. a lot of that in this, in this Joel Schumacher interview. I think it'll make for an interesting commentary, so that's something we'll come back to. I think so, too. And by the way... With all these ads on TV for Ad Astra, I just keep seeing this sort of superimposed Zachy head on my shoulder whispering in my ear, come get me. Hey, y'all. I'm right here. Come get me. Come get me. <laughs> that's that's Zachy for people who haven't heard past episodes. That's Zachy's impersonation of Tommy Lee Jones in Ad Astra yes. as, a, as a, a father figure lost in space. His son is going to retrieve him, and Tommy Lee Jones' character goes, come get me. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving on. We got some headlines, yeah. Brian. Oh, do we? We do. Indeed. Did anything happen be- between the times we talked? It, it feels like just like the mother load of headlines just dropped in our lap. It was like a jump ball that nobody retrieved. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. So yeah, these these couple of these headlines are a few days old, which is funny. I was remarking with Zachy that a few days feel, can feel like weeks. We're like, we should talk about this eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We'll get but there. I am happy to finally to talk about it. Well, we just did a commentary for the Matrix. Yes. And so- it turns out we're getting a new one. We're getting a new Matrix, and and here's the funny thing to me is I I the headline broke, and I was very excited, and I sent it to Brian, and Brian and I were both like, "Why well, sweet?" And I feel like you and I are the only ones who had that reaction. You know, because I <clears throat> I was not on the internet a lot at that time, so I was seeing headlines, but I wasn't seeing the responses. Yeah, and that when I saw Matrix Four, uh, one of the Wachowskis is back, Carrie Moss is back, Keanu Reeves is back. I was like, yeah. Right. And then, yeah, it was so funny when I found out that people, we were, yeah, we were the only people high-fiving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so uh, Lana Wachowski, mm-hmm. but not Lily Wachowski. Yeah, I wonder, that's interesting. That, that to me, like, it to me, it's the names that are not included, like uh, 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 Lily Wachowski and Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, yes. Don't know. I don't know what the story is Yeah, for that, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, just, I don't know. I feel like this world is still pretty ripe with uh, interesting ideas and, you know, having the original creators back and cast. And and I I don't know. It just, it feels, if it's going to happen, and it is apparently going to happen, this is how I'd want it to happen. Yeah, I I mean, they've been, you know, they've been kicking around ideas of like a reboot or whatever for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my whole thing was like, well, this is... I mean, this is the Wachowskis' world. Like, it's it's nobody mm-hmm. else should even get to enter it unless it's it's it, uh, you know unless they're okay with it. So I was glad it, there is at least one Wachowski involved. Even though, again, the fact that it's one is is I'm curious about that. Yeah, I don't know if also they 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 were all always kind of notoriously private. Yeah. So maybe just as life has gone on, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's been reasons to to pull away. I I have no idea, but I and I and I will say this. I mean, other than the Matrix, the Wachowskis have had no smash hits, right? Unless I'm misremembering something. No, I think you're right. Uh, I liked a lot of their movies. I liked Cloud Atlas, sure, more than most. I think yes. And, uh, so I think you and I were sort of <laughs> alternately on Speed Racer. It seemed like. People, yes, try to tell like preach that one that you missed this and it's fantastic. And you and I were like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know. You know, V for Vendetta they produced and that did okay. Yeah, right. uh, Jupiter Ascending is that what it's called? Yeah, I wanted to like it and I just couldn't. That couldn't find my way in. That was one of the most batshit crazy things I've ever seen in my life. Not in a good way. Uh, so my, my point is this: like, talk about uh, failing upward, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, even, does, even does Jupiter it... Ascending, I I love, I love that there are people who are allowed to be a little crazy, and that one just never coalesced into something that everybody could enjoy. But I don't know. I'm just so glad that every now and then they can still do that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Even as speaking as someone who didn't really like it very much. So yeah, no, that's I fair. Don't know. That's fair. And and also, I think, you know, you could roll your eyes at the idea, too, of The Matrix 4. Right. You know, it's, it's more sequels, more franchises, blah, blah, blah. And it, I totally agree. 
and and I there was that trailer that came out this past week for Lucy in the Sky, that Natalie Portman movie. Yes. And I was like, that is my jam. I cannot wait for that movie. Yeah, it looks good. And I, I, I want more movies like that. But we're also just in an age where we're going to keep getting sequels to movies like this. And frankly, The Matrix is one I don't mind getting. Yeah, I, you know, I'm somebody who, who, who likes all three of those movies. Uh, and, I, and I do feel like the, the trilogy ended in a way where that's like a good ending, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, now the story ha- has continued through the Matrix Online, or had like it, I don't think the Matrix Online is is going anymore. But like it, the story continued for a few years. Yeah, I kind of remember that. And in fact, Morpheus dies in the game. So, oh. so that may explain why why Lawrence Fishburne isn't in the hmm. in the the thing right because because one presumes that neo and i guess trinity exist in some like like well neo at least would exist within the computer world like as a right i mean yeah yeah the remainder or whatever that was how they explain him yeah because he like he he's always going to exist in some form yeah and i don't maybe yeah. trinity is part of his consciousness i don't know i mean this is all just speculation but if i were to guess I don't think Neo or Trinity are going to be the primary actors in this film. I think it's meant to be another, you know, Force Awakens type deal. Oh, then I'm out. Really? <laughs> uh, no. I'm I'm fairly but... certain. If I were to guess, I would say this is the next story. Yeah, nah. Yeah, no, nah, I'm still on board. You got me back. <laughs> <laughs> but I will admit my interest has dropped slightly. I mean, we'll see, but but I mean that just like I don't know what else you do with Neo, right? Like No, that's I mean, yeah, and let's be honest, I mean he's older, right? Yeah. You know, I'm sure he you know, I don't know. Like I mean, what? I mean I mean Neo Neo's story reached a point where I I don't as much as I like the character, it's like okay, well, I mean it's it's wrapped. Mm-hmm. So what? What? What then? You know, the, is the Matrix Neo? I mean, I guess we'll we'll have this discussion in a few years when the film comes out. But mm-hmm. my prediction is it's another pass the baton, thing. just like they're doing. Everything's doing that now, Brian. I mean, Terminator, the new Terminator's doing that. Yep, yep. And then I am looking through an article. Uh, Justin Kroll of Variety. Apparently, he's heard from sources that they're looking for actors to play a young Morpheus. Oh, that's interesting. So perhaps it could be. This time they are the ones who are training up Morpheus. Like we need you. But wait, so people die and come back like as younger versions of themselves? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, this is all just speculation anyway. But yeah, like, yeah, when yeah, is, yeah. When when is Matrix Four coming out? Uh, twenty twenty. No, production begins twenty twenty. So maybe twenty twenty one or something. I don't see a date. Um, twenty. No, they're saying twenty twenty. Wow. That no, that doesn't even make sense. That that they would have to have been filming already for that. Yeah, it just says what I'm reading says Variety reports production could begin as early as oh in early twenty twenty. Okay. Okay. I would imagine there'd have to be at least a year of and and there had post. been rumors earlier this year of Michael B. Jordan being involved. I'm I'm curious if that's still the case. Yeah, I mean that that sounds like a you know a rumor you would imagine. Just yeah, well he's he's, he's attached to everything now. Yeah, 
right? Um, Barbie. They're doing a Barbie movie that I think Michael B. Jordan is going to star in. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, that it's not happening, but would you be surprised if that happened? No. Not really. <laughs> uh, now, here's a funny thing. The Matrix 4 news breaks, and you and I were the ones who were like, yay. And then I feel like people didn't even have a chance to process that because w- literally within minutes – of 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 uh, Matrix Four being announced, we get the news that uh, Spider Man is is at the center of a very messy divorce. Yeah, yeah, this was uh, kind of surprising. So, what's the story here? Well, I mean, we've spoken on this before, but basically, Sony owns the license to Spider Man, right? Yes, and they've had him for years. And Marvel, now that they've become the powerhouse production company that they have obviously they would like to include spider-man and in all the adventures they have going on over at disney so they had come to an agreement where they would uh work together and sony could make spider-man movies but they would be linked to the marvel cinematic universe and apparently it got to the point where disney was like okay let's renegotiate this deal because correct me if i'm wrong but Marvel was only getting like 5% yeah, re- so re- return or something based on whatever those movies were making, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, they were basically getting their, like the, the rights, you know, like it's like the licensing fee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and the deal was for five movies. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, once Far From Home came out, that was it. Right. So right. they had to renegotiate anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think and every... they decided they wanted fifty fifty. Yeah, and and so this is you know we've we've seen very varied uh, reporting, but regardless, I think Disney was like, look, let's uh, split the costs and split the take. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the way it was happening before was Sony t- took on all the risk. Disney, or not, I mean, Kevin Feige, on behalf of Disney, would produce the movie. He would make the movie. He'd send the receipts to, you know, Sony to get reimbursed, basically. You know what I mean? It was 100% covered by Sony. And so uh, Far From Home makes a billion plus dollars, and Mm -hmm. so Sony gets to keep that. Right. So now it's time to renegotiate, and Disney... I think this goes above Feige. I think this is like on the Bob Iger level. Right. Is like, let's let's come up with a, a, something that's more equitable. Mm-hmm. Dis- Sony, which is, who was who, run by Tom Rothman. Yes, that moment of silence is necessary <laughs> because I, I heard booze in my head. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Tom Rothman is legendarily awful. <laughs> And by way of context, he headed 20th Century Fox for a long time. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. Like, he was, he made just legendarily shitty decisions running that studio. Right. And, and in particular, uh, superhero-related, uh, right? On the superhero stuff. Like, he had no faith. Like, the X-Men franchise started on Tom Rothman's watch. He had no faith in the thing. Uh, and then it sort of became a success despite his efforts. And then he, he did everything he could to like the worst movies in that series, like X-Men, the last stand, uh, the origin, the Wolverine origins movie happened as a result of him, like sticking his thumb in the pie, you know? <laughs> uh, 
you know, and, and Daredevil, like the way that the theatrical cut of that movie turned out was a Tom Rothman joint, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just a lot of really shitty decisions. And he's a notorious cheapskate. So now he, 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 he again, man, failing upward. <laughs> he gets cut loose from Fox and he uh-huh. gets scooped up by Sony to run their movies. And, and, um, you know, we, we, you and I have spent enough oxygen on this show talking about some of the shitty decisions that Sony has made. Right. So birds of a feather, right? Um, <laughs> he, he's like no, no deal, right? Right now, this whole situation. So as it stands right now, Sony's like, we got, we got Spider Man. We're good. We uh, thank you, Kevin Feige, for showing yes. us what to do. Uh, uh, don't let the door hit you. We got this, <laughs> right. right? And and Kevin Feige's like, well, fine. We got all these guys over here, so we're good too. So this is where it stands right now. It's like it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's it's uh, uh, the USSR in the US in the eighties. We're just at like. <laughs> The Cold War. Nobody wants to say anything because of mutually assured destruction. Right. <laughs> now, from where I sit, there's no good guys here. Right, right. It's just studios being shitty. Right. Am I wrong? Well, you imagine you negotiate. Yes. Right? So you start with the, a number that's beyond what you're sort of expecting, and then you talk. Um, but also, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe Disney feels like, uh, you know, their supreme leader at the moment, <laughs> which they are and, which they are. And so they're, they're not willing to budge. And so we're going to get some Spider-Man movies, but they will no longer be linked to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, aside from having Tom Holland, who has appeared in the MCU. Yes. So, so as of now, Tom Holland is under contract for one more movie. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was two. Okay. No, one. Yeah. So, so he he had a uh, six picture contract to play okay. Spider Man, and so he's already played what five, five times, right? Yeah, five. So, so one more, and and I I one imagines he could hold up Sony for a lot of money or a lot of clout or what have you, because I don't think Sony is in a hurry to recast Spider Man yet again. <laughs> yeah. For right? sure. To add him to the pile of abandoned Spideys, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is rapidly growing, right? Uh, so so Sony's like, hey, we don't need uh, the Avengers. We got Venom and, uh, well, that's about it. We got... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we got Morbius, y'all. And, and You know, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about it until you said it, but uh, I mean, now that Endgame has happened. Yeah. There isn't really a ton of need to link it to the other universe. No, you know, it's not, not like he's going to be bumping into Tony Stark anymore. And yeah, I mean, I think uh, other than like Happy Hogan, there's oh no... right, and that I really loved their relationship in this last movie. Yes, so yeah, so I think John Favreau might be a little bummed out, like if if uh, the deal doesn't happen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very curious what ends up happening here because because the thing that I find interesting is that this news broke out in a way that I wouldn't have expected where people like normies are plugged in. Mhm. Mhm. You know what I mean? 
How, uh, I do, but can you elaborate on that? What do like you mean? Like people, that we know all the information? Yeah, like like people who I wouldn't expect to care about stuff mm. like Spider-Man being in the cinematic universe care and are upset. Yeah, I had I talked about this with my parents the other day. See? Yeah. It's funny because... you know I, what? Yeah, go ahead. When you're talking about a pile of you know the long-forgotten Spider-Man, I mean... With these last few Spider-Man movies, I think the first thing everybody always says is how much they like Tom Holland. Yes. Like, I mean, he you do not want to lose this kid anytime soon. Yes. He is just universally liked as this character. And you could get 10 more years out of him easily. Yeah. Yeah. Squeeze him dry like a grapefruit. You got like 10 years. <laughs> 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 right? So, so, so don't screw it up. But, but I mean, to me, it, again, like I've just on my social media, you know, like uh, former students, I mean, just people you wouldn't think of would care about stuff like this. Like, no, Spider-Man better be part of the universe. And I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. in and Mm -hmm. of itself. And, and it's funny because my, my kids, I've tried to not expose them to all this news and stuff because I just want them to be able to watch the movies and not be thinking about all the behind the scenes stuff. It was very funny because my 10 year old uh, spent the afternoon like uh, playing with his cousin and he comes home and he's like is, is, is it true that Spider-Man is, is it going to be in the Avengers any, anymore? Holy cow. And I was like alright first of all settle down. <laughs> yeah. I want to give you a wedgie. What's going on? That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. And I'm like, well, there is <laughs> some people got an emotional capital invested in this. That's my point. Uh, I, I'm, again, I, I, I see this online. People are choosing up sides. People like Team Disney, Team Sony. And I'm like, guys, you're, you're doing West Side Story with like mega conglomerates. Like, <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, D- Disney does not care about you, they care about, uh, how many dollars you have in your wallet yeah I, I would say i i care about getting another good movie for myself yes but i don't know that i'm ever going to take sides with one corporation versus another uh, that's what i'm that's what i'm saying you know it's like yeah. it, to me that that's more like that's such a sign of the times mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's where we're at you know that's like that's like something out of some dystopian future movie crap you know yeah 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 right? yeah, yeah. So to me, that they're just—they're all—they're being greedy, both sides. Right. And now, now here's my prediction, and I am historically terrible at making predictions on this show. My <laughs> prediction, and I feel like yes. just by saying it, I'm jinxing it. Right. I think they're going to figure this out. I wouldn't be surprised. It's—it's it's beneficial to both. I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like I—I I can see a scenario where one side gives up something from before either one but i mean i mean let me ask you though who who has more leverage in this in this particular situation maybe sony hmm. you know because they have spider-man yeah um and they can and, run and into Brian, the ground and, but... and and the fact that they're coming off of venom and spider-man into the spider-verse because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mean, a Spider-Man movie is going to come out. Yes. So people will go. So I feel like it's a, it maybe a little bit up to Disney to figure out how to play nice because if they want to have him be a part of their plan over there, I mean, you know, he's not theirs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're here's the thing. If you're Disney, now when we look at the rights split, 
here's what Sony owns. They own the uh, movie rights for mm-hmm. live action and animation, and they own the TV rights for live action. Okay. That's it. Disney owns every other aspect of Spider-Man. So, oh, so like action figures. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. T- TV animation, uh, uh, toys, uh, you know, backpacks, fruit roll-ups, when you name it. Hmm. Anything that's got Spidey's face slapped on it, Disney's making bank. So I'm like, guys, how much money do you need? And that's like a stupid question to ask of a soulless corporation that just <laughs> right. swallowed up another movie studio. <laughs> but my point is... Y- like, the, the, you were never going to get the Spider-Man rights back. So so everything you were able to get was, like, found money. Right. So right. why can't you be happy with that? Soulless corporation. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. So that said, I mean, maybe that was a big swing. And I read somewhere that people are speculating that this was all made public. So people's feelings and opinions could mm. try to make the other crack a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's like, everybody hates you right now, Sony, you know, <laughs> kind of a thing. So you think the Disney side dropped this? Oh, that I don't know. That I, I just heard someone speculate that hmm. for either of them okay. want people to be weighing in on this yeah. to, you know, put pressure on one or the other. So that that could be something, too. I don't know. Uh, I just want to say that I chuckled when he said Wang. Wang? Yeah, that's just how my head... When did I say Wang? <laughs> you said Wang, like Wang. Oh. <laughs> but, but I'm 10 years old, and so that's just... I didn't even... <laughs> In my head, I was like, <laughs> Wang. <laughs> I didn't hear it, otherwise I would have laughed too. <laughs> uh, so TBD, the Spider-Man divorce situation. And you know who suffers, Brian? The kids. The kids? Your kids? <laughs> Specifically my... My, my gosh, my... won't they think of the children? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Hey, well, well, you know, I, I feel like my kid can take some solace because while Spider-Man might be leaving the MCU, uh, one character who is returning, not to the MCU, but just to, to the world, uh, is He-Man. Yeah. You know, I, I saw this as an Instagram post from Kevin Smith. I know nothing about it. So can you, can you tell me about it? So this was announced, uh, at, uh, what was it at Comic-Con a couple of weeks ago? Uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, really? they are doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I just saw him post on Instagram maybe like a week ago or two weeks ago. So 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 Netflix for the past couple of years has had a uh, She-Ra revival series that's done right. pretty well for them, right? And so the question has been, well, where's He-Man? When is He-Man coming? So they are now doing a Netflix He-Man series that is unconnected to the She-Ra series. Okay. So this is not our Eternia shared universe. They're not doing that. <laughs> Uh, but it's called Masters of the Universe Revelation, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be a Kevin Smith helmed uh, animated show that is a sequel to the um, to the original to the eighties the filmation series. Okay, okay, so uh, not like a reimagining, right? It's okay. it's it, so this is this is uh, per Kevin Smith. He says in Revelation we pick up right where the classic era left off to tell an epic tale of what may be the final battle between He Man and Skeletor. You know it's funny. I grew up with He Man, loved He Man when yeah. I was a kid. I had the action figures, and then I've not even revisited it since. Like I haven't seen it. Yes, 
and it, and uh, and I'm like happy to leave it there in a way. Yes. But you just saying that, I was like, oh, I check that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the funny thing with He Man is that first of all, I I yeah, I He Man was like my first fandom. You know, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. was like three. And I still remember going to Toys R Us. I remember seeing the ads on TV being like, that's going to be my thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like three years old. Going to Toys R Us, I remember getting the first batch of characters. I had them all. Uh, I was super into it. And I remember when the cartoon started a couple years later, that blew my mind because that was the first time I had ever seen something like that, where here's this toy Mm. that is now I'm seeing it moving on my TV. Yep. Like I'd never seen it go from toy to TV. You know what I mean? It's funny you mentioned that link too, by the way, because my memories of it are a really dark living room because I think mm-hmm. it was 6 a.m. And I remember pulling up a cardboard box filled with He-Man toys and sitting next to it as I turned on the television and watched He-Man in the morning. Wow. Like it was it was linked to those toys. No, absolutely. Like I, yeah. I was, because we, because my family moved to Saudi Arabia in like 83, right? So I had all my He-Man toys with me. And then whenever the show started, 84, something like that, we, over in Saudi Arabia, we got the show on VHS. Mm. And again, it was just like, oh my God, like that's what He-Man sounds like, you know? It was right, like, it was right. It was a big deal. Uh so I, my point is, I'm I have a deep, deep well of affection for uh, for He Man, as opposed to like Thundercats, we can just like kick rocks because <laughs> that's just a that's just a tawdry ripoff of He Man. Everybody, <laughs> it's not fit to 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 kiss He Man's boots. <laughs> sort it's of furry moments. boots. That's right, those furry boots. Yeah, with uh, apo- with apologies to Ronald Darling. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I have no feelings about Thundercats, but uh, other than dismay and and disgust. <laughs> but my point is, He Man. They've brought it back a few times, right? So, so the 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 original you know show was mid '80s, and then a few years later they did like Future He Man, and it was just right. Called yeah, I kind of remember that. Remember? Yeah. It's like He Man in space, and that didn't really go anywhere. And then mm-hmm. uh, in the early 2000s they did like a reboot of the original run. Okay. Okay. Um, which which was on Cartoon Network, and which was pretty good actually. And, and you know, it, it's always been one of these shows that's just been kicking around. So so the fact that hey, here we are doing a new He Man, I'm curious. Like I I don't know. I I can't say I have a huge amount of anticipation because my affinity is so specifically tied to the to what it was like being a little kid. And I'm like, well, nothing's ever yeah. going to make me feel that way again. You know. I that's funny. It's it's the exact same way for me. Yeah. Right. So I'm curious, you know, and I know that they're doing this movie with with Noah Centeno. Yeah, they keep, well, I mean, they've been talking about that for years and years and Well, years. I think it's actually happening. Yeah. I remember reading a script by Justin Marks. Yes. That was a while ago. Yeah, like 10 years ago or more. Yeah. Well, here's my guess. If this if and I I don't know what the timeline is, but I'm if the show you know, does well in terms of buzz, that'll expedite the film unless they're both meant to launch at kind of the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I hear uh, a lot of people talking about streaming and whatnot these days and kind of giving Netflix some guff. Yes. And, uh, you know, some of it's deserved, I suppose, but it's cool that something like this can exist because there is a Netflix, right? 
Yes, I, mean, I, you can I take agree. Chance, like, because this isn't going to end up on some network or one of the major cable channels, but there is an outlet for an experiment like this, like He-Man from Kevin Smith. Like, what? <laughs> what does that look like? But on the other hand, like, okay, you have my interest. Right. Like, I'm curious. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, all right. So, well, well, speaking of, uh, uh, unlikely, uh, franchises, here's, here's a headline, which, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just read the headline, Eva Longoria to direct Cheetos movie, <laughs> which to me, that's like a, a Mad Libs headline, <laughs> right? right? Like yes. a, uh, uh, Chester Cheetah movie. Is, is that really something people have been clamoring for? Right, right. Well, uh, perhaps no, but the, the, uh, the, the Chester Cheetah thing, cause you know, it isn't about Chester Cheetah. Right? I know, but that, that's the funny thing is like the headline, like the, the movie itself is about like the history of Frito-Lay and their flaming Hot Cheetos chip. Yeah. Someone told me that they were, she was making a Chester Cheetah movie and I was like, what? <laughs> I know that's, well, that's cause I, that some of the headlines were, were leaning into that and you read that you're like, well, uh, that, that sounds ridiculous. Right. But then you read the premise of the film. And it's like, well, that actually sounds kind of interesting. I entirely agree. Because I, I thought, uh, yeah, the Chester Cheetah thing. I actually had the Super Nintendo video game of that, where you're basically Chester <laughs> Cheetah on a skateboard. And instead of Sonic in the rings, it was basically you picking up those paw-shaped uh, Cheeto chips. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so the uh, premise here, Brian, uh, it's about Richard and Judy Montanez. Uh, Richard rose from humble beginnings to achieve the American dream. He was the son of a Mexican immigrant, and it was a janitor at Frito-Lay when he came up with the idea for Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Mm -hmm. And his creation revitalized the company and disrupted the food industry, creating a pop culture phenomenon that continues today. Yeah, and to me, that sounds like all these movies I love, like The Founder. I mean, even The Social Network to some degree. Like, I kind of like, uh, I like these sorts of, True story. So I, I was like, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So so reading uh, the full pitch, I'm like, well, that's something that I totally get why why um, why Eva Longoria, who obviously really you know she's an advocate for uh, you know the portrayal of of uh, Hispanics in media and stuff. You totally get why why she would uh, not only go after that, but why her voice might be deemed interesting. And, and so I went, I spanned the gamut from like reading the headline to being like, huh? To like, Oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. I totally agree. I I can already sort of picture it. And, uh, this is like, like I said, this is one of those movies I look forward to in like November and December. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, why don't we take uh, one last break and then we can come back and boy, we got uh, we went a few weeks without Star Wars news, but we got lots to discuss now. Yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. And Brian, the music's playing. What do you got? <laughs> Well, we finally got a crapload of Star Wars news after weeks of sort of a dry spell. And uh, all of it's pretty cool, but I think the thing that we've all been anticipating for a very, very long time is, that finally came true is that Ewan McGregor is back. He's back, baby. Yes. He's going to be playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, I don't know if you saw that footage. It was kind of fun where he was at D23 and it went on stage with Kathleen Kennedy. And she asked, are you going to be playing Obi-Wan Kenobi again? <laughs> and he's like, Yes. <laughs> he's like ask um, but, me uh, oh yes ask, ask me, me in front of all these people yeah I kind of wished when he had appeared on stage that he had been like hello there <laughs> prequel memes surprisingly become one of my absolute favorite things on reddit and instagram these days always like, funny I like the the prequels enough I've, I've grown to like them more over the years and just the deep dives and just the the passion that people have for those movies and the jokes that continue to mine out of them. I just is amusing to me to no end. I love it. Um, it it's, it's, uh, you know, at this point, uh, the, they, the prequels have been part of the ether for long enough now that, you know, and, and this is not, we've, we've, had, we've, you and I have talked about this, but like they're, they're just as valued and, and, and integral to many fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of how they experience Star Wars, and I think I think the fact that twenty years later we are still talking about them and they are part of the conversation says says well, uh, like or dislike them. I mean, George Lucas did achieve what he set out to, mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. which was I mean, what they're trying to do now. But what he did then was he got a whole new generation of Star Wars fans uh, recruited. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, but yeah. So anyway, Ewan McGregor confirmed it, and uh, the episode scripts are already finished. Huh. So this has been well in the works, and uh, the show's going to be shooting next year. So very exciting. So the question is, all all the stuff we've heard about how it was going to be a movie originally and all that, like, mm. was that actually the case? That. You know, who knows? It seems like uh, Lucasfilm is... They, they they came right out of... Bursting out of the gate, right? And realized that maybe not everything they do is going to be a surefire hit. And it seems like they took a step back to re-examine, re-evaluate, and uh, there was some silence for a while about what was coming up ahead. I mean, they had the canceled films, the Boba Fett movie. And uh, maybe at one point this was going to be a movie, and they realized that you know, the movies are being a bit oversaturated, so why not take advantage of this Disney Plus medium? Right. Uh, that works for me. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I would like, I think I would prefer a sort of prestige series because it can take its time mm-hmm. and uh, maybe have some slower moments that will give more resonance to some of the bigger moments. And I, I, I mean, that's just where we're at now. You Sometimes these, uh, what do you call them? Like limited series, they can feel like six-hour, eight-hour movies, right. and they benefit because of it. 
So I'm I'm all I'm all game for something like that. I mean I mean the, the, we got the star on the Star Wars side plus the Marvel side the 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 volume of TV of series projects that they've announced it's it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. And then really uh, by virtue of and I'm, I'm assuming you, you were going to go to this next. I mean the the, the trailer that we saw for the Mandalorian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gives us an insight into what these things are going to look like. Yeah, you know, and I think Lucasfilm kind of has an uphill battle that they may not have been anticipating, but in making this stuff, like, differentiated, Hmm. right? Like, how do you keep making Star Wars stories, especially apart from the Skywalker saga, and make them feel like Star Wars, but make them feel fresh and not like you're just watching the same thing over and over again? Yeah. And I was kind of worried about that with The Mandalorian because I was loving the way it was looking. But what's going to make me feel like I'm seeing something new but still feel like the thing I want it to feel like? Like that's that's a tall order. Right. And uh, I have to say, I I really love this trailer. I mean, it looks kind of like a space western. And uh, and I know we've gotten traces of that in some of the movies, but just going all in on that, sort of a cowboyish bounty hunter type figure. But in the Star Wars universe, like that, that looks pretty exciting. And you got that cool IG eighty eight looking droid, you know, in the shootout and yeah, Western with a Star Wars spin. I I liked what I saw. What about you? Yeah, it's it. Uh, I, first of all, the the trailer that we saw, and we're not going to bother playing the audio because it's just it's like music basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it obviously the intent was, hey, look how much of a movie this looks like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't look like Agents of Shield. <laughs> sure, to, sure. I mean, sure. not to not to denigrate that show, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. No, I do. They're they're very deliberately being like, we are spending movie money on this because we can afford to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's smart because because once you take away the the big budget gloss, then you you've you've lost something really fundamental to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, to your point about like, well, what is Star Wars if it's not the Skywalker saga? I mean, this was going to be the first one at the shoot that really. Well, no, I mean, to be fair, Rogue One was. Right, 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 right. I I would say Rogue One was like a dry run for this, for the Mandalorian. Mm hmm. Yeah. uh, To some extent, you know, Uh, in in that this is a chance to really be like, well, this is what the universe looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think what the Mandalorian has going for it is is as we said before, like the iconography of this Boba Fett looking guy, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the first thing that we're getting canonically, as far as I know, that's filling in the lost era between Jedi mm-hmm. and and the Force Awakens. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see uh, the last Star Wars game I played on PlayStation sort of. Did that where it okay. started right after the Death Star blew is, up and was that of the Jedi. Battlefront? Yeah, okay. or uh, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, Battlefronts two maybe. Okay, yeah, and um, and it was just kind of fun because then it was like you can see, you know, the the Empire sort of scrambling. Like, what does this mean now? And do we still have any control on anything? And I, mm. I that's yeah, it's unmined territory, and I think that's kind of a fun thing to. That'll be a fun playground. Yeah, I mean, and and. Uh, uh, we're gonna get when when does this start like november right yeah 
I don't have the exact date, but yeah, November this year. November, and and you've got uh, we haven't even seen Pedro Pascal. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of I mean, one assumes he's not going to be wearing that helmet the whole time. Right. Right. Uh, you got Apollo Creed in there. Yeah, that was cool. Carl Weathers. Which I've said this before. Uh, they should just call his character Apollo Creed because that is <laughs> why not. That's like a Star Wars character name. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the the whole and 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 what I we see a droid who we think is IG eighty eight, but he's actually IG eleven. Mm, Okay. And he's voiced by Taika Waititi, and I guess the oh. running the running joke in the show is that people keep thinking he's IG eighty eight. Oh, really? Is that that's yeah. true? Yeah, which I kind of love that. You know what's funny, by the way? I don't know if you're noticing this by you, but around me, these 5G towers have gone around, you know, been <laughs> erected by these lamp posts and stuff. And to me, they look like IG-88. <laughs> They're <It's> 5G-88. <laughs> what? They're 5G-88. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I've actually, I, I have a picture of them in my phone now that I keep just so I can use it as a reference for people. And I'm like, hey, hey, you know what that looks like? <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> But but it's all you know. I I'm I think this is a smart way to to expand the universe. You know, Disney Plus is this framework that is going to let you do that because because unlike obviously what the lesson they learned with Solo is like you know just just the word Star Wars in the title aren't going to get people to show up. Mm-hmm. So this allows you to create. Uh, these quote unquote smaller stories that let you expand the universe within a framework where the whole, the whole endeavor isn't going to live or die on, on whether you, you know, how well it does. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But there, there's like, I mean, it looks, I don't know. There's that shot of that spaceship flying over the forest sort of looking thing. And it just looks like, man, it looks so good. (laughs) Now, now the, the, the Disney plus star Wars shows, we got, we got, we got Mandalorian, we got, obi-wan whatever it's gonna be called mm-hmm. um and then and then the cassie Andor show yeah which we haven't heard a whole lot about still yes so maybe that's still being developed but but they did announce i mean that was part of the official thing at at d23 mm-hmm. so we know that's coming and then there's the the final season of clone wars that's coming right right you know uh which i'm glad about because there there was an ending that they had in mind for that show ideally that leads us right up to the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. You know, which would be super cool if they did that. And uh, there was there was like a previous Clone Wars animated series. Mm-hmm. You remember this, the micro series? I do, yeah. And that actually does end right where uh, uh, Episode Three starts. Okay. But as uh, I believe, and I somebody who's nerdier than me about this can maybe clarify, but I believe. The clone, the current, the CG Clone Wars show, like overwrites the micro series. Hmm. Okay. Like I don't think they're meant to coexist. Well, that's that's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> it goes off into the legends. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Of the Jedi archives. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but what else? Hey, it's it's not just all uh, uh you know Disney Plus Star Wars. What else we got? Yeah. Well, they also have a little movie. Oh. It's going to be coming out this year as well. So, um. Rise of Skywalker. We finally saw some more new footage. Yes, oh, and, he- uh, heavily indentured to old footage. We should say. Well, yeah, that was, yeah. I was gonna say because um, it's not a trailer. It's basically about a minute thirty of uh, remember, remember what you love. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it uh, it's some dramatic piano music and it shows you of all the older films and all the drama. And then they sort of slip into uh, Rise of Skywalker. But we do see some cool new stuff in here. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is Brian. This is like a two minute assembly. Yeah. Right. Of one minute of which is just them basically massaging your nipples. <laughs> you just you have such a, a way with words. So it <laughs> but I mean, right, that's basically what they're doing. They're like, yeah, it really is. Yes. Remember that? Remember that? Oh, oh remember that? You know. Mm-hmm. I also found it interesting that they show the clips in release order and not universe order. Wow! Didn't even cross my mind. You're absolutely right. I mean, they start like the first thing we see is the twin sunset. Uh huh. Like, hey, remember this? Remember that music? <laughs> right. And then, yeah. And then it. And then and it, so it does the original trilogy, then the prequel trilogy. I just I, I find that interesting. I I'm scrubbing through it right now. Yeah. I I can't believe I didn't notice that. Yeah. 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 And then it goes right into Force Awakens, a little bit of Last Jedi, and then uh, we see our new stuff here. And yeah. apparently, J.J. Abrams has touted that. This movie is going to keep the gang together. So he's he's very excited and he wants everyone to know that no one's going to be split up in this movie. This is going to be a an adventure with the group together. Hey JJ, that would have been good two movies ago <laughs> with the other gang. <laughs> Wait, other gang? Yeah, like Luke, Han and Leia. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Like, right. I, I like Poe, Finn and Rey, don't get me wrong, it's fine, but the here's here's the central problem, okay? Uh, the the episode episode four, yes, is about this group of people coming together. That's why we're so invested in in them as a unit, Luke, mm-hmm. Han, Leia, because that's what Star Wars is about. Mm-hmm. The problem with the sequel trilogy is that Poe, Ray, and Finn have never been a quote unquote gang. Yes, ever. Right. That has literally never happened. Yes. Yeah. Poe and Ray met in like the last minute of the yeah. last movie. Right, so I'm not I'm not down on the sequels, but I mean that's that is a fundamental structural problem, and I realize that that's something I'm having to overcome myself. Where I still feel like these movies have done some things wrong. Yes, and I'm like, well, maybe they haven't. Like maybe I'm just trying to make them analog to these other movies, and they aren't. Yeah, even though you know, seven very, very, very <laughs> much is. <laughs> So seven, I don't know. Seven I, I have put to like tracing go paper bit. over a new hope. Yes. You yes. Know. So I, you know, I, I think it's going to take me a while to have these movies kind of stand on their own and have me form a real opinion about them. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, going to this, this sizzle reel, I suppose you want to call it. Uh, we see some cool stuff in here. I mean, we yes. see, you know, I was kind of curious about the C-3PO with red eyes. No, oh, well, he, he just, uh, uh, he, he, he toked up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he just caught him. He's a very relaxed C3PO at that moment. That would be funny if we got chill C3PO for a whole movie. <laughs> Instead of worry wart C3PO. It'd be funny. He has like a cockney like Jason Statham accent. <laughs> That's Boy. what he sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Um, Relax, yeah. bro. Bruv? Actually, yeah, it'd be bruv, not bro. <laughs> uh, but uh, we get this like sweeping epic shot of uh, Kylo and Ray lightsaber fighting on this that that, that shot, in the water. That was the one that did it for me because everyone's talking about like the thing at the very end. Yes, with quote unquote evil Ray, 
and she clicks a double-sided lightsaber into place. Yes. So, of course, everyone's losing their minds, and I'm like, if you honestly think (laughs) this movie is about Rey becoming and staying evil, I I don't even know. I I applaud the level of naivete you have, because that's (laughs) impressive, you know? Yeah, I mean, come on. It's it's most likely a, a Luke and the the tree and Empire kind of moment. Yeah, I mean, it's it, right or or it's 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 some. I mean, come on, it's it's obviously a fake out. Yeah, in some way, shape. It looks cool. It looks fine. Although the I was shot, gonna say that said, it does look pretty cool. It, although there was like a kind of weird faky lookingness to that shot. You know what? I'm so glad you say that because I pointed that out. I thought it almost looked like a fan cobbled it together, like took <laughs> Daisy Ridley's face out of a magazine or something and yes. sort of threw it in. There's some weird plasticky, fakey lookingness to it. And it, I've brought that up to two people and they've been like, they so you didn't you like it? Facebook. Like, what's wrong with you? They blocked And I'm you. like, no. I'm, wait, what? They blocked you on Facebook after that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Now, you're the first person to sort of agree with me on this. And I'm like, yeah, it, uh, it looks uh, like uh, uh, you know, paste manufactured, on. constructed. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Um, but it does look cool. It looks cool. The idea of the lightsabers. You know, we've seen Darth Maul. That was one of the most famous moments in that trailer when it debuted. And yes, they come out of one end and out of the other. And this is, they're sort of both facing the same way, but then she kind of cocks her arm and then whoosh, like clicks into place. It's pretty. It's cool. I'm down. But like I said, the 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 shot where they're fighting on like that atoll or whatever it is. Um, oh yeah that that was awesome that yeah and it's like a wide shot and they're just i'm like that that is star wars you know what i mean yeah that that stood out to me too and it made me think actually the thought i had i was like that's a director that he thought you know not just to do all these close-ups and these sort of he's like no no he he starts out here and he swoops in and i was like that's that's epic yeah i agree yeah it's you know uh i i put it on Twitter recently, uh, just out of curiosity, I was like, where do you think Kylo Ren's arc ends? Mm-hmm. And it's been very interesting to see people, t- some people want to see him redeemed, some people want him to die horribly, some people want him to be redeemed before he dies. It's I'm sort of fascinated by all the all the places people are landing in the Kylo mm-hmm. story. Uh, I'm I'm curious, I, I'm sure I've asked you this before too, but what, what do you think? What do you, where, where does it end for Kylo Ren? You know, you've said this multiple times, and I, I can't say I disagree with you. It, it, with Kylo killed Han Solo, therefore he can never exactly be redeemed. Like he's irredeemable just by that alone. Yes. And I, so I think, I think it might be something where he gets redeemed while sacrificing himself. Okay. Like he's he's probably got to die. So he does a Vader thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, in the Star Wars. Anakin Skywalker murdered children. Yes, yes. Uh, like not not teenage children, little children. Yes. And and uh, <laughs> again, that was a choice that George Lucas made. The previous yeah. movies already existed, so he knew the story ended with Anakin being redeemed, and uh-huh. and George was like, you know, let's just uh, let's just like murder this room full of kids. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, so. If if that I mean I don't know you know is that worse than killing Han Solo? Uh, I don't, it depends who you ask. <laughs> I don't know. So that's the question. I don't know. I I'm I'm but I will say this: I am looking forward to 
uh, having that question answered. I, I, I loved watching this assembly and having all these questions. Me too. Me you too. Know? I mean, I think they're being kind of smart about this because I would have preferred to have gotten a trailer, straight up trailer. Yes. But they're just sort of teasing me a little bit and it is making me want more. So it's, it's pretty smart, I think. It's funny because I watched the video with my wife and, and like at every, every like, oh shit moment, she's like, what's that? Why is it? Why are his eyes red? Why is it? Is it she was <laughs> great. Why does he do that? Wait, is she evil now? And, and she was like really getting worked up. And I was like, we're going to know in a few months. Just yeah. Like, I don't, I was like, I don't know. I don't know any of what you're asking me, but I'm frightened right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos to the the people who put that together then. So it it worked its mojo on her at the very yeah. least. Uh I and I think that's it for Star Wars news this week, right? I think so, but that that's that was a good that was good after all these weeks of like I said, you know, not a, crumbs. It was nice to get a nice piece of cake there. You know what I'm going to say, Brian? I'm I'm excited to get excited about Star Wars again. Me too. Me too. I think we all needed the the breather. Yes. And I am ready now in the coming months to get excited about it again. I totally agree. And and I will say this: um, the I I I am like exceedingly excited to talk through Revenge of the Sith with you. Yeah, like, yeah, me too. I've been too. looking forward to that all year. Is that commentary coming in December? Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I I. I'm going to have to revisit it. It's been a while since I've seen it from start to finish. And sure. I really look forward to that. Yeah. I'm, I'm planning. I think I said this, I'm planning to go through the whole saga, this, but in chronological order. Hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I want to do that too. Now I think about it, maybe in, in uh, anticipation of the last one, I want to go through all of them. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, you watch uh, rogue one and solo in the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you got to watch the holiday special, sneak that in, uh, between <laughs> right. four and five, got to watch the Ewok movies clearly. Cause that's, oh, yeah. that's, I, uh, have you revisited those? Uh, I have not. I haven't either. I'm a little curious, but I'm also a little like wondering if it'll be a waste of time. I, I mean, you know, I liked them when I was a kid. Well, we, we liked a lot of things when we were kids. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> kids eat paste. <laughs> That is the that is the perfect response to that. I liked it when I was a kid. Yeah, kids eat paste, Brian. <laughs> Wilford Brimley is part of the Star Wars universe. I, I will never. Wilford Brimley and B. Arthur and yeah. Art Carney yes. are, are part of the Star Wars universe. I I kind of love that. Yeah, and Jefferson Starship, right? That's that's also true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. This is great. I'm I'm glad we got to, to well well uh, th- this also wraps up our August uh, uh, recess for the show but we'll be back after Labor Day with our traditional uh, end of summer wrap up. Oh man, that's gonna be fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, we we got lots of lots of stuff to to look back on with with uh, with rage or fondness. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> we'll, we'll see where we end up. Or or apathy. That's a possibility. Yes, that might be more like it. More, more like more like apathy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, hey, what 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 do you have going on? I am still at Puppy Dog Pals, uh, which is uh, still releasing new episodes on Disney and Disney Junior. So check that out. Well, there we go. And as for me, you can find me at my website, ZachysCorner.com. That's the AKIS Corner. That's where my movie reviews go up, as well as episodes of this show. You can also find my reviews at the San Francisco Chronicle. I just posted uh, uh, my my lengthy write-up about the fanatics. So you can see why I stand alone. Me and Fred Durst. 
I can't wait to read that. Uh, Yeah, check that out. And, of course, look out for a new episode of the Nostalgia Theater Show uh, coming up uh, very shortly. And uh, we'll be back uh, after Labor Day weekend with a new episode of this show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please go to iTunes, leave a review, leave a star rating. If you have any comments for us, you can email us at moviefilmpodcast at gmail.com or hit like on our Facebook page and message us there, facebook.com slash moviefilmpodcast. Uh, My name is Aki Hassan. On behalf of my partner, Brian Hall, this has been Movie Film 179. Thanks for listening. Welcome, friends. It's the Movie Film Podcast. Podcast, enjoy the show. It's Aki and Brian.